Thanks a lot. It's good to see you all. Am I on? I think, yeah, I'm on. I'm a little hearing impaired, so you just got to let me know if, you know, if I start yelling, I'm not angry. I just can't hear myself, you know. So I have hearing aids, but I don't wear them. I should. If you wear your hearing aids, I just have a lot of respect for you because it's a hard thing to do. You've got to put the batteries in and charge them, and you just feel a little different. You feel somewhat like a robot, but you're not. You're a person, and, and God loves you, and, yeah, it has nothing to do with just, okay. Uh, uh, I'm, re- I'm really, uh, really honored to share God's word with you. I love Jesus Christ. I've, I've been, I love this church. I've been a part of this church for quite a while now and involved with the, the high school and junior high for some years and, and just recently transitioned out of that and handed over some good friends of mine. And, and, uh, and so, but I, I'm very honored just to, to open God's word with you, to honor Christ and, and uh, see what God has for us this morning. Um, and so let's pray and we'll get into this. Lord, we just invite you, invite your presence, invite your spirit to just open the eyes of our hearts this morning, Lord. God, we ask you to fill us, to fill us with yourself, with your truth. And God, I know that um, a lot of us come in here burdened with life and our families and maybe our children with sins. And so, God, I just ask right now that you would just, by the power of your, of your Holy Spirit, just lift those burdens. I just ask that you would lift the, the pain, that you lift the, the shackles. And God, I pray that your gospel would have a freeing effect upon our hearts this morning. We're going to look at some glorious texts, Lord. I'm just so thankful for them. I pray you just minister to us right now. Minister to me, Lord. In Jesus' good name, amen. 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 Okay. Um, why don't you grab your Bibles? If you don't have a Bible, we have a handful on the wall. Feel free to grab one of those. Um, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1. And um, Brian kind of gave us the, the intro to that, and um, uh, this, this whole book is just, uh, just packed with so much richness. Um, Paul is, is, in a way, rebuking a, a thought of the age of this, this Gnostic understanding that there was a special kind of knowledge that only some people could receive, and um, you had to kind of uh, build your, yourself up to receiving that and coming into this little club. And, and Paul's just, right from the bat, he just, this is something for all, for all people, this is a spiritual wisdom that God is just bestowing on every single person. And so there's so much that Paul is going to just dig and dig and dig into some very deep truths um, and some very practical truths as well. Um, and so hopefully uh, the Lord can give us a good balance this morning through his word. So on um, the first chapter 1, starting in, I'm going to start at verse 7. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 3. Just give it a refresh our memory a little, huh? Okay, sounds good. Verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in which the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the world it is bearing fruit and growing, as it also does among you since the day you have heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Just as if you've learned from it, from, uh, oh my gosh, I just forgot how to pronounce that name. Ephesus, sorry, somebody help me out. Yeah, sure. Epaphras, Epaphras, thank you. Okay, Epaphras. We learned from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, and his faithful minister, Christ, on your behalf. He has made known to us your love in the spirit. And, and so, from the day we have heard, 
we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Whew! Yes. Amen to that. Such a good, such a rich passage. So much in here for us to just, we could spend all, all day in here in this passage, and maybe we will. Um, you know, but Brian said, 9.35, you're done. So, or, or 10.35, I can't remember. Oh, who knows? Who, who knows how long we'll be in this? Um, but there's just so much goodness here. And, and what we're going to focus on, we're going to start in kind of verse 7. Um, and look at this guy, Epaphras. Epaphras. I can't remember that name very well. Um, Epaphras. This, this is a guy who most likely got saved in, in the town of Ephesus. Where Paul spent three years in this town in Ephesus. And he was uh, preaching the gospel for, he's just, this was one of his longer um, missions, was this city. And Epaphras most likely got saved in this town. And then moved, moved to Colossae where this church is located, and began to share the gospel, began to share all the glories of Jesus Christ with these people. And so when Paul is writing this letter, as you may have heard, he's writing this letter from prison in Rome. And this would, would take place about the you know, later part of the first century, um, but it would take place most likely five or six years after Paul had left Ephesus. So what may have happened, you've got to use your imagination a little bit, Epaphras may have taken a journey and to come to Paul in prison in Rome and, and, and bring him this news, Paul, you've got you to gotta hear what's going on in Colossae. There's this group of believers that have met Jesus, and God's doing crazy things among them. God's, God's saving them. They're bearing fruit. They're hearing and believing the gospel. Um, and so you can imagine what, the interesting verse here, that it's in, when Paul describes receiving this news in verse 7, just that you understood the grace of truth, I'm sorry, just as you have learned from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So Paul is receiving this, this, this news about this church loves him. These, people, these Christians love Paul. They love uh, what Paul has done for them, even though Paul wasn't even present with them and preaching the gospel at this church. They're receiving this, this good news. And, so, and it says this love is being shared to Paul in the spirit. And so this is just like, when I see verses like this, like, what does that mean? Like, what, what's that look like? You know, in the spirit, sharing this love. Like, I, I want that. It's in the Bible. What, there's got to be a way this can work out in my own life. Um, and so what, what I think is happening here is that Paul, maybe it wasn't the very moment that Paul's, that Paul's not writing this down as Epaphras is there sharing the news. Like, wait, wait, hold on. Let me write this down. This is good. I've got I to gotta share this with others. But maybe after some time, Paul's sitting in his prison cell, and the Spirit of God starts stirring him up for this little group of Christians, however many there were in this town, Colossae. Starts stirring in his heart and burdening him and saying, wow, I want to pray for them. I want to pray for the people in Colossae right now even though I'm shackled, even though I'm in prison. And, and I just think this is fascinating. Because there's this times, I don't know if you've noticed this, there's times when the Holy Spirit, you know, if you're a believer in the Spirit has sealed you, 
the time of the Holy Spirit, doesn't it just kind of stir us up for weird things or people's names? And we're just like, why, why are they on my mind right now? Or you're staring at the fridge and you're like, look at that Christmas card. That's a weird one. But I wonder how that family's doing, you know? And like, I, I like all my Christmas cards, so thank you for sending them if you, if you did. Uh, they're, they're great. But, you know, you look, I mean, me and my wife have probably the weirdest one. We're like holding up a bunch of dead geese after a hunting trip and it says Merry Christmas. So, you know, so if you have that, I'm sorry if we've offended you, but it's, you know, it's our American tradition or something like that. Uh, but so, you know, how, but it's, it's weird how sometimes the, the Holy Spirit will stir up an individual or, a, or maybe a, a job or a, or a city and put them on your heart. And it's like, and I feel kind of like that's what's happening right here with Paul. He's being stirred up for these people in Colossae. And it's, it's stirring him up to all the way to the point of praying and even writing and penning this letter for us today. Um, and for them as well. And, and specifically, the inter- what this is specifically is intercessory prayer. Paul is praying on their behalf. He's praying for, for God to do a work in them. And we see this all through the Bible. Just listen, I wrote a few verses down here. Listen to this on, on this type of prayer. Uh, this is 1 Timothy 2. You don't have to go to these. I'll just read them for you. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2 says, First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions. Philippians 1, 19. For I know that through your prayers, the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ will turn out for my deliverance. Um, in Jeremiah 29, 7, love this word, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So we oftentimes, I feel like we have these, these burdens on our heart. We may, um, somebody will come to mind or, you know, a family will come to mind. And, we, and I, I know for just from my, looking at my own heart and my own, reading my own mind, I, I like to sit and just, ponder like, well, what if this changed in their life? Or, or what if this would be different? And what if I could, how can I get involved and maybe help, help the situation? Or, and maybe sometimes it's not all the best intentions. You're just kind of like judging and, and grumbling over something. But intercessory prayer, what Paul's doing right here, he is praying. He, we're going to look at this glorious list of all these things that Paul is praying for on their behalf. The, the greatest way that we can actually get involved in change in a city, in an individual, is actually praying for them. This is the tool, the number one thing that God gives us to use and to minister to those around us, those that you're sitting next to, those that you don't even know. There's times when I will, you know, if I'm visiting a church or uh, I'm around other believers or I'm at a situation, um, I was at a rodeo like a week ago in Wyoming, and and the, the announcer said, let's all take a moment of reflection and pray or do whatever you do according to your religion. And I was like, I want to pray for all these people right now in this stadium. I want to pray for them. I don't know where they, I mean, this is, this is, this is like a shotgun of, of who knows what the needs are. Who knows what's going on in people's lives. But let me start praying specifically. And then, and then it's weird how sometimes you look at someone and you're like, I wonder where they're at. And I just see it's the spirit of God is stirring us up to use this gift to pray and, and plead with God for change to happen in their lives. And Paul's going to do that. I mean, sometimes you don't, even, you don't even know what to pray, right? You look at them and you're like, what's going on? What do I, what do I pray for? Well, listen, listen to this. Listen to this. Romans 8. 
Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for, as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes with groanings too deep for words, and, who's, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes. So what this is telling me here is that there's times when I'm, I might even not know what to say. Someone is, is, is pouring out their heart to you, or you hear about something, and you're like, what do I say to that? What do I have to give? to this pain, to this problem. Let's just come to this and say, Spirit, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to pray for right now? What do you want me to ask for on their behalf? Intercessory prayer is a very powerful thing. And I, and I believe that sometimes we, we uh, gosh, we just, I know just from experience, it's easy to look at the, the pastors and the elders of a church and, and the prayer team and say they're the ones interceding on behalf of us, the saints. But what if, what if everyone saw themselves with this, this power to give and to seek God on others' behalfs? What if when you, instead of like looking at this area where our, our prayer team stands and saying, well, I don't have anything I need prayer for. What if you went up to them and said, can we just pray for San Luis Obispo? Can we pray for this business? Or that business? Or can we pray for these people that I know? What if, you, what if there was a culture of prayer when it wasn't just when I need something? And wasn't just when there's something so pressing that I have nothing left to do physically, but now I can pray? Because that's a lot of times the way our prayers work, right? But what if prayer was the primary thing by which we came and said, before anything, before I do anything else, let's pray on this behalf, on their behalf. Sound good? Amen? Okay. Let's pray about that. Good. Good call. Okay. Let's pray. Now, okay, verse 9. Verse 9. Now, Paul, like I said, Paul is going to get into this, this whole just gold mine here, 9 through 14, um, of what he's praying for. And I think there's definitely, we can learn, of like, we don't know what to pray. Right, let's just look what Paul's praying for, huh? Let's just see what, what are the things that are on his heart. But before we kind of get into specifically what Paul's praying for, uh, read verse 9 with me. In chapter 1. And he said, And so from the day we have heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. There's three things here that just stuck out to me that we can, we can look at from abroad before we get into the specifics. The first one is Paul. He's saying we, we're praying. So it's not just Paul. The we. second one is that he, isn't, he does not cease to stop praying for them. It's unceasing prayer. And lastly, he is asking. He's asking. So this, this first one here, I think it's just these little simple things. Sometimes we can just read right through them, and we just we miss just the weight in them. Paul is in this prison cell, right? Picture this. Um, he, you could imagine him alone, but maybe along the way, like similar to what we see in the book of Philemon, he meets another person, shares the gospel with him. That person gets saved. What if, I mean, Paul could have been sitting in this prison with a small body of believers, that loved Jesus well. And Paul was rallying these people together saying, let's pray for this church classe right now. We have not ceased to pray for you. Um, on this, this little road trip that me and my wife took uh, last week and the week before, uh, we, we got this visit, this little dinky town called Luther, um, and it's in Montana. And um, it, I mean, it was like a corner. The town was basically the church in like a little store. 
And, and we went, so we were like, oh, let's go to that church on Sunday. And we went in, and it just, uh, it brought back a lot of childhood memories and growing up in a, um, you know, little church like that. And it was great. And we, we just really enjoyed it, really enjoyed the, the people there. I mean, obviously, we stuck out like a sore thumb. I mean, everyone, all these, you know, uh, older folks are just, oh, my gosh, who are these people? And, and it was just great hearing, hearing everybody's little stories about bears and all that good stuff. But, you know, and, you know, yeah, it was great. But what really stuck out to me, and more than anything in the whole service, for some reason, they brought up their children's ministry. And they were, there was probably 10 kids, you know, standing in the front of their, their whole children's ministry. And the, the leader of the children's ministry said, um, our, our children have been praying for the church and been praying for a lot of the people in this, this town. And we made a prayer, prayer chain, a literal prayer chain, out of little paper rings. On every ring, they wrote down the prayer. And some of you may have done this before. I've, I've never seen this before. It's blowing my mind. And uh, so they wrote down, a, so you, on this prayer chain, there's like names of people, you know, uh, towns, people's dogs, you know, all these things that children would pray for. And, but just this chain spread out like across the whole church. And I was like, wow, this little group of kids, are, just, they've got hundreds of prayers. And it just, to me, was powerful. And it just served my soul to see these little children rallying together as a ministry, praying for the needs of their church, for the people in their church. Isn't that awesome? I mean, if we just, I mean, I think we could make a way better chain, you know? Maybe we'll mail it to them, be like, what up now? Slow says, what's up? You know, and uh, dang it. No, that wasn't what we're trying to do. And uh, but <laughs> we're just trying to stir you up to greater things. No, but it just this, there's just this really cool this picture for me to see this little church praying, the children's ministry praying as a group. So uh, think about that. Do you pray? Is it just, I mean, it's powerful for you to seek the Lord in prayer. That's, that's a good thing. I'm not going to say no, but, but are you, is there, do you pray with your family? You pray with your home group, with your work, you know, uh, you know employees, or, or maybe, I don't know. Are there ways that you can expand the reach of your prayer? And is, are there ways that you can include others into that, that life? Um, it's good, good questions for us to ask. And then unceasing prayer. So Paul says, we have not stopped praying for you. This is something, um, the man, I have wrestled with personally. Uh, I, you know, I, I deal with a handful of uh, autoimmune issues and, you know, um, I'm not going to bore you with my hearing, hearing, and, you know, I can't see super good, but, I, you know, all these different things, you know, I just, I wrestle with, with my life. And we all, we, I'm not alone here, right? We all wrestle. And, and I think uh, there's times with, uh, where I pray for things, and, I mean, I've had my hearing loss since I was, like, I don't zero, and uh, I inherited this, you know, and it's like, it's some, times that I, like, think of, like, that's just pointless to pray for that. Why should I pray for these things that are just always going to be? I just need to own it. I need to accept it. And I've, I've, had, or I've had this mentality of like, okay, I'm going to pray three times for something to happen because that's what Paul did, right? Second Corinthians chapter 12. I pleaded with the Lord three times and he said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. You know, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And I've taken that story and I've applied that to my own life and say, okay, I'm going to plead with God three times. And if he says no, then therefore I'm just going to let it go. And I'm going to own that. And, and the only problem with that is I haven't heard from Jesus say, uh, stop praying, Ben. I haven't heard from him yet. And so a friend of mine challenged me with this. And I'm thankful for that. And 
And he brought to light this text. If you want to turn with me, we're going to go old school, Old Testament, Jeremiah 42. Check out this passage here. Jeremiah 42. Um, Starting in the beginning there. So at this point in in, in what's going on, Jeremiah is a prophet speaking on behalf of the Lord. And these kings, these commanders come to him with a request. 42 verse 1 says, Then all the commanders of the Lord, um, sorry, not the commanders of the Lord, all the commanders of the forces of Johan, the son of Karah, Jereziah, the son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least to the greatest came near and said to Jeremiah the prophet, Let our plea for mercy come before you and pray to the Lord our God for us, for all this remnant, because we are left with but a few as your eyes see us, that the Lord your God may show us the way we should go, And the thing that we should do. Jeremiah the prophet said to them. I have heard you. Behold I will pray to the Lord your God. According to your request. And whatever the Lord answers you. I will tell you. I will keep nothing back from you. And then. So so Jeremiah goes and prays. And it says in verse 7. This is what just kind of worked on me. At the end of 10 days. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. After 10 days, he spent 10 days praying, God, should they go? Should they fight? What should they do? Lord, we're seeking you. Lord, we need an answer. I mean, I would give up after an hour. You know? It's like, ah, he didn't have nothing to say. Sorry. You know, he's busy right now. What? God? It's busy? Wow, crap. You know, but he spent 10 days, pursued the Lord on their behalf, interceding for them, and then came back. And I'm not going to go into the answer, because that's not part of what I'm teaching this morning. Uh, but just the fact, I mean, how long does it take you to stop praying, to say, ah, that's enough. You know, I'm, I'm, or I'm distracted, I'm bored, I'm praying for that. Because we, a, lot of, a lot of us, just, our prayer life can consist of kind of an intro and outro to our Bible studies, kind of a nice segue into our eating our food, you know, I mean, that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped you pray. But are you spending time and having this conversation and this, this time where you're letting God speak to your heart and, you, and, and you're speaking your heart to him and this exchange? I mean, it may be very weird if, if, if my wife, if it was just constantly like I come home and like tell her everything, that what, what's up and what I would like for dinner. Or, and then she, she goes to talk. I'm like, Bleh. no, no, thank you. I'm busy, you know. I already, I already spoke to you. That would just be a very dysfunctional relationship. And, um, yeah, I, I, I never want that. I want, my, I want to hear from my wife. I want to hear what's on her heart. And so what I think, there had to be a dialogue going on with Jeremiah and the Lord. There had to be this time of seeking him. Um, and, and I think sometimes our prayer lives can just be a bit stifled, right? And I'm just speaking out of my own experience. I'm not pointing any fingers except at myself. I can honestly say that I, that I will, will take, I just won't take the time needed. And that God, God wants to spend time with us. He wants to hear our hearts. So I would challenge you in, in your Bible studies, in your families, let's, let's invest more into prayer. Let's let prayer. Now, you're like, I can't just keep talking. I can't, I can't keep praying all day. I'll get fired, you know. Like, that would just be weird. I'll freak everyone out. Spurgeon says something really interesting on this. He says, though we may not be speaking in prayer, 
we can always be desiring in prayer. We can always be giving our desires of our hearts to God. There's no reason why that can't stop, right? There's no reason why God should not have 100% access to the desires of our hearts. And so I want to challenge you. you, Is prayer just this little icing on the cake of whatever you do spiritually? Or is this something you actually invest in in just prayer? Because I think Paul is right here. Um, And lastly, um, asking... um, Going back to first, uh, sorry, Colossians, going back to Colossians there, um, chapter 1, he says, in asking that you may be filled. So Paul is interceding and asking on their behalf. He's asking of God. Because I think sometimes we come into our church and, and our ministry, and we, it can be easy for us, especially if you're very type A, to say, okay, now how can I serve the Lord? How can I get busy and do his work and be involved in what, he's, what he has for me? And we, and we sometimes are a little bit timid, maybe, to say, God, I want this. I need this. Now, I'm not talking about stuff, okay? Don't, don't hear this prosperity crap from me, okay? That's not what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not here saying God's this vending machine. He's like here to dish out a Pepsi to you when you're thirsty. I'm saying God is the eternal well. And that we're here speaking, seeking spiritual things from him. Amen? We're here, we're here to be fed. Because he says to us that he is the bread of life. We're here to eat and to fill our souls with things that don't perish. If you come here and if it's here, you're like, oh, there's been a crisis in my life. And, well, I guess I'll seek God. If if God is just this, like, medicine to you when things hurt, then you're misunderstanding God. You're misunderstanding what his purpose is for us. Paul is asking on behalf of these Christians, but he's asking for very deep things. And so I pray that we could be people that could come to God's throne and sit at his feet and receive. You remember the story, Mary and Martha? As they, as they uh, you know, Jesus comes into their home and Mary is busy doing all this work. I don't know if you've heard the story before. And, and she's working hard and she, and she comes to Jesus and she's like, can you just tell my sister to help me? She's not doing anything. And it says that she felt alone and that she, and she starts making demands of God. And then what does Jesus say to her? He says, your sister Mary has chosen the right thing. She's chosen what is necessary. First and foremost, before anything, before you get your hands dirty in serving the bride of Christ, we need to sit at the feet of Jesus and receive from him. We need to ask of him. You know what's really interesting about that story? Is that Mary, later on, she's the same Mary who ends up pouring perfume all over Jesus' feet and wiping her own hair to wash these disgusting, traveled, dirty, smelly feet. And that is her act of service to God. So I believe that when you sit at the feet of Christ and you come here hungry and, and wanting to know the will of God and wanting to know who God is and seeking him and being fed by him, I believe that naturally you're going to begin to serve God and what I love about that story with Mary is that that is her act of spiritual worship, right? Like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I don't own any perfume, for one. And my hair, it would ju- just be really difficult. It might, you know, uh, 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 you know, that would just be weird. But, and I think sometimes, you know, we can kind of like, okay, I, I need to get involved. I want to serve. I mean, you're being fed by the Lord. 
praise God, you're ready, to, you're, you're feeling ripe to get out and serve. And we can sometimes create these, this is service, this is service, that service. If I get involved with that ministry, then, you know, then I'm serving God. And we kind of miss the creativity of maybe service for you looks a little different. Like Mary pouring perfume on Jesus' head. And I, obviously that's not all she did, you know. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that. But it's something that man, I would have never thought of. I would have never done myself. But this is something she did to bless the Lord and show Jesus that she loved Jesus and she honored him. Um, and so I'd encourage you to, to seek out. What, what do you have? What, what, what do you have that's unique and that it's on your heart that maybe not, maybe not be exactly common among serving? Um, seek that out and, and ask for that. Um, so those three things, very, very um, just common sense. You know, unceasing prayer, corporate prayer, um, and, and asking of God. Um, great things. I'd encourage you to do that. Jesus says, um, ask and you receive and your joy will be made complete. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be made complete. Yeah. Moving on. So what does Paul pray for specifically here? Let's look at that. Verse 9 again. And so from the day we have heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So Paul has like this knowledge sandwich or whatever. That's what I thought of when I read it. He just opens with knowledge. He's like, I, I pray that you would increase in the knowledge of his will, that you would grow in the knowledge of his will. And then he goes, walking in a manner worthy, bearing fruit, pleasing to him, and then pray that you would increase in the knowledge of God. So we have this desire of Paul that he wants this, this to be a filling of knowledge, of knowing God, of actually increasing in, in who he is, and, and not just staying, um, and not, not just walking, and not just knowing, right? But he wants both of these things to come and surround this, this church. And before we kind of look at the knowledge, I want to look at something in the middle there. He says, I pray that you would walk in a manner worthy of God. And at first glance, we kind of think, okay, God just wants me to just walk good enough. I just, okay, good enough. What does it look like to be good enough for God? How do I do that? And we, we kind of can create these like, this is good enough. And we create these legalistic type things. When I do this, I'm good enough for God. But the word worthy right here, translated, uh, in this Greek, the Greek understanding of this word, it means at the same weight of God. So this worthy, this walking in a worthy manner is walking the same character, the same worthiness of God himself. So if you kind of pick this in between, this is good enough, it's not good enough. Because God is demanding perfect holiness from us. He's, want, he's calling us to walk in a way that resembles God to this world. What he's getting at here, and Paul teaches a lot on this, and this is a very deep subject that I would encourage you to, to dive into. He's teaching on walking as an image bearer of God. He's teaching as walking and owning the image that has been bestowed to us. Now, traditionally, and for, for myself, I tend to, when I hear that, I'm an image bearer of God. I, I, I tend to just think I've inherited God's attributes or God's characteristics. Uh, you know, God desires justice, and that's, that's what I desire. God is a loving God. There's love in me sometimes. You know, uh, you know these different things. There's, like, we see we're, we're like God, and it's almost like 
we're looking at a mirror and, and God is this mirror. And we, just, we see back ourselves. But I, I think I would encourage you to look at this a different way. The image of God is not so much just us looking back at ourselves and saying, oh, we look like God. But it's more of a slanted mirror. It's a, it's a mirror that is where God is reflecting onto us and reflecting back into this world. So in other words, the image of God, bearing the image of God, is more like an occupation and a, a calling that has been given to us and saying, go and be my image bearers on this earth, right? God created man in his own, in his own image, right? And then he sent him to have dominion over the earth and sent him with a mission, with a calling, and so being an image bearer of God is us, is God giving us the ability to play and be his hands and feet, be his resemble. This is what the gospel does to people. This is how God changes lives. I am hopefully an aroma of Christ to those around me. I'm bearing him and reflecting back on this world. Because when we take this idea uh, and just turn it back and oh, we just look like God, we're just called to look like, I think we can get very... Um, Ignorant of man, the calling. God has called us to great things. He's called us to bear his image. I, I pray that has great weight for you. And it is God values humanity. He loves people. Wow. And, and there's a, man, there's a burden that's been on my heart for some time. Just in conversation with friends, people that I love, or just in common. We, we tend to talk in a way where where we just constantly like, we identify with the things that have happened to us more than what has been given to us in Christ. Like we'll identify with, well, I, you know, I'm the way I am because of the way my dad treated me. Or I am, you know, I'm the way I am because my business isn't well. Or I can't find work or the right work or, you know, enough work. And we tend to identify with things that make us out to be victims and, and we, we find a weird comfort in that. And, and I speak out of my own testimony. That we, we, it's easy for us to identify with the pain and sin that this world has dumped on us. And that we, that's within our own soul. Rather than identifying with the fact that God has said, you are my image bearer. You are a kingdom of priests. You are more than conquerors. You are the glory of God. Hmm. Yeah. This is a, this is a uh, I pr- pray that God would just remind us who we are. Amen? I pray that he would remind us who we are. Peter, when he was, uh, in, in Matthew 16, Peter is, is asked a question by Jesus. Hey, who do people say that I am? Who are people saying? Oh, some people say you're a prophet. Some people say you're, you're John the Baptist. You know, all these different things are going out on the table. And then he goes to Peter and says, who do you think that I am? And he goes, you're the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And, P- and, and Jesus says to Peter, I'm sure Jesus is smiling, just flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my father who is in heaven, tells Simon, and, and, and Simon Barjona, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. This is a powerful moment where Jesus is speaking straight into Peter's life and saying, Peter, I mean, this is Peter. You know, swirly, doubtful, talkative, just betraying Peter. And he says to Peter, you are Peter and I'm going to do something radical with you. And upon my church is going to be built. 
upon your back. I'm going to build my church. I'm going to establish my kingdom, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Jesus is very confident in this, that his church, which he owns and loves and died for, he's giving it, handing it over to people like us to invest in. And what I love about it is he's saying, he's not denying who he is, but he's saying, you're going to grow. You're going to change. Going back to this, this text with Paul. Paul is, is opening, I pray that you would, you would know the will of God. And then he's going in and he's closing with, that you, would, that you would be filled with the will of God. And then he closed with, and then you would increase in the knowledge of God. So I had this question. You know, I'm like, okay, how the heck can I be filled? How do I fill? How do I fill up? And then all of a sudden, Paul's telling me I need to increase beyond my filling. Like, what? What's going on? How does this work itself out? And what I think Paul's getting at is that we must increase. That the vessel which is God is pouring into must grow, must change. That we can't stay little boys forever, right? We can't swim in a kiddie pool forever. We've got to jump into the deep end sometime. We've got to grow as people. We have to mature. And through that growth, we come to truly know. We, we're not just filled in the knowledge of his will. We're filled into knowing who God is. And, and back to with Peter, that was what I think was going on. He's saying, you got me right, you're going to grow starting with understanding who Jesus Christ is. That's why we're all about Jesus. That's why we're all about knowing him and glorifying him and, and singing to him. If you're not a Christian, you're like, this is weird. We're singing these songs to this guy. That's weird, you know. People only do that to, you know, JT or something, you know. Or my wife does at least, you know. Uh, you know, in a, in a healthy way. Sorry for embarrassing you, sweetie. Um, <laughs> here later, I know it. Uh, you know, but... This is, Jesus is not just this, I don't know. Jesus is so much to us here. And we believe in the power of Jesus Christ. We believe the the power that Jesus can change us. That can grow us into these larger vessels where God can pour in more of who he is into us. I firmly believe in that. And then Paul, you're like, how? I don't know, Ben. I don't know if I believe in that. How can that happen? Let's just keep reading what Paul has to say. Um, Check this out. I'm going to finish up here. I think I'm getting close to being too long. Okay. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience and joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in him. We are being strengthened by God's glorious might. Amen. Paul's message was not of words of possible wisdom, but in demonstration of the power and the spirit and of power, so that our faith not might rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We're all about that here. I don't want this to be, we, we, I mean, if this is all about, oh, I really trust that pastor. I really trust him, and he's such a good guy, and an inspiring speaker. No. Our faith is in Christ. We honor Jesus. And this is, this is God flexing his arm, saying, I'm putting all these things out for you. These are things I desire in you, to be filled, to increase, to bear fruit. Guess what? I'm going to flex my arm in your life and demonstrate my power. And you get, to, you get to enjoy. And you get to play with me. And we get to, just, just to be the hands and feet of Christ in this world. Amen? I mean, it's just it's so refreshing to me to get here. Because if Paul stopped, I'd be like, okay, whew, how do I do this? It'd be like that summer camp. You're like, yeah, I'm so fired up. Yes. Woo. And then you get down in the baker's field and you're like, oh, man. This is depressing. Never mind, I need to go back to camp, get fired up again. 
But man, this is, this is something that's real. That's beyond, beyond us. Sorry if you're from Bakersfield. I mean, I, there's, there's pretty areas, I guess. And, yeah, I, <laughs> sorry. Pray for me later, please. Now, right now. Uh, okay, and it may be strengthened with all God's might. And this is, this is amazing. For all endurance, patience, and joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in this inheritance. This qualification is literally this. If you're going to receive an inheritance, as far as I know, you have to be family. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but uh, you, you need to have some sort of blood relationship. And so this qualification, Jesus is qualifying us. God is qualifying us as family bringing us into this inheritance and saying, you're mine, you're my family, you're my blood. And then he goes on, he just keeps, Paul's just getting excited and pumped. He goes, and he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption of sins, forgiveness of sins. He's redeemed us, transferred us. No, you're not going to stay here anymore. God's mighty arm is so powerful that sometimes he's not going to give you what you want, but he's going to give you what's best. He's going to transfer you from your sinful desires, what you want, and show you something better. But at the moment, you don't want it, right? Somebody has kids in here, right? No, you can't play. I'm gonna, no, you can't run out in the street. There's a truck goes through there. That's not going to be pretty. We don't want that for you. Not what the child wants, but God transfers us. He transfers us into his kingdom. When we live under the reign of a good king named Jesus. Amen? Yeah, amen. I believe in that. I'm happy to be under his reign. And then he goes farther. And he describes, what's this king like? Because this terminology is taken from Greece. Uh, understanding of a king coming in and conquering the people. And taking them from their land. And putting them in a free and victorious new kingdom. And that can seem kind of like, wow, that seems a little rough. But then it goes, Paul says this. He's redeemed us. We've been redeemed. This word redemption... It goes hands in hand with ransom. Jesus has paid our ransom. Our sins require a payment. The wages of our sins is death. But Jesus has become our glorious ransom and paid it with his very own blood. This is the king that actually bleeds in order to bring us into this new kingdom. This is not the king who grabs us by the neck and forces us. This is the king who loves us. And even as he's commissioning his disciples, this is the king that gets on his knees and washes his disciples' feet. Peter's like, what are you doing? Why are you washing me? And Jesus goes, if if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. And Jesus is like, and Peter's like, wash all of me then. Wash all of me. This is the king that pulls us in, that forgives us through and happily, willfully follows his father's will and lays down his life for us. Think of these words, friends. Transferred qualified, worthy, redeemed, forgiven. Isaiah says, the Lord waits to be gracious for you. I pray that you would accept this and believe this. We're going to invite the band back up here. We're going to close in a few songs and worship Jesus. And, and, and uh, I just want to invite you. And if you, if you want to pray, <laughs> let's pray. Let's go over here and pray or, or pray over there. I don't, I, I don't care. Pray where you are. Pray. Let's pray for this church. Let's pray for our pastor. Let's pray for his family. Let's pray for other families in this church. Let's be a church that's praying because we believe the mighty hand of God. We believe that our God can act and work. Amen? Amen. Okay, we also have communion.
call yourself a believer, you love Jesus, we gladly invite you. We have gluten-free communion. Thank you, Jesus, for that. <sighs> wow. Uh, I'm going to pray for us. God, we just love you. We just glorify you. We honor you, Jesus. You are such a good God. You flex your power in the most interesting ways of laying yourself down. Thank you, Lord, for dragging me into this kingdom because I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Lord, for revealing my sin, revealing who I used to be. And God, I just invite you to continue to change us. I pray that we would be filled and that we would grow and you would fill us again and keep it coming, Lord. We pray that you continually pour into our lives. Pour in your spirit. Pour in your desires. Pour in the knowledge of who you are. God, you're good to us. We worship you now. In Jesus' name, amen.